Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? We're back with an all new edition of Kicks and Bricks. Today we have a guy who's been all over Hollywood. He's on Project Power, Sneakerheads, The Last OG, Blackish. I can go on and on. What's good, um, Alan? What's up, man? I'm, doing, I'm good, baby. Good, 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 good. Feeling good. So, like, it's a crazy time right now in Hollywood. So, um, thank you for coming on. But can you tell us what it's like filming, like, in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, it's different. It's different. Um it's definitely taking a longer time than usual, um, having to deal with um, COVID protocols and in the event of someone, you know, testing positive, there are certain, you know, um, restrictions that are made to production. So these are just new obstacles of filming. There's already many obstacles in, in making and shooting a, a film or a television show already without a pandemic. So um, it just, you just gotta be a little more cautious. Uh, you, you gotta be, you know, responsible, not for yourself, but for the entire cast when you're doing things outside of production. So, um, it's definitely a new, new lifestyle, but, um, it's, but with that being said, definitely, um, fortunate that we're still able to work even do, uh, during this pandemic. All right. So, um, like you're from LA as an actor, like, what is it like being on the grind, to going from like an unknown to like one of the most recognizable actors that are out now? Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a marathon, man. Um, I'm, I'm a marathon runner as well. So I understand um, what pacing is. And, you know, it's not about just coming out sprinting in, in this business. It's about, you know, getting yourself in a position that you can build a long career rather than just a, a, a short moment. That's good. So, like, at times, life is, like, real funny. Like, you grew up near um, Anthony Anderson, and, like, the two of you, like, eventually ended up working on, on Blackish together. Like, it's crazy how the universe work out. Like, yeah, it's Hayes, interesting. Like, both of you, like, um, blowing up. Did you guys, like, know him? I mean... No, no, no. He lived um, He lived in Compton, and I lived in Compton till I was about nine, and he lived on White Ave. And I was more on the north side, north side of the street, and he was more on the south side. So, um, and then we're we're definitely um, different uh, different ages. So he would have been closer to my sister's age than than me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we never we never met each other or in Compton during that time. But it's just uh, crazy 
um, when we were on the show and we began to talk and I was telling him about where I grew up at. And, you know, um, the first nine, in my, nine years of my life, I went to, you know, Tower of Faith and I started naming off these schools. And he was like, wait a minute, I lived, you know, uh, literally down the street uh, on the south side of uh, town. But, yeah, it was uh, it's definitely one of those, uh, you know, six degrees, six degrees of separation type situation. You know, every time I think of um, Anthony Anderson, for some reason, I always get him confused with Orlando Anderson, the guy. Oh, that, really? Yeah, yeah, the guy that allegedly, um, well, you know what he did, but but yeah, I always get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we ain't got, we ain't got yeah, no, yeah. no more sprinkle that near anything near Anthony, man. <laughs> yeah, so like, um, so like you've been in so many movies that span like so many genres. Do you have like a particular show, a genre, a movie that you're proud of the most? Oh wow, man! Um, I don't, I don't know if I've done it yet. Like I, I, I love everything that I've done. Um, it's been a you know brick by brick situation, and I've built my career from having one line to being a series regular on a show, and each experience uh, has brought its own worth. Um, you know, different characters bring different sides of me. Like I, I love doing dramatic work. Um, the show that I'm currently working on is is a dramatic uh, show, and uh, you know, doing Cousin Bobby, you know, comedy, comedy is is fun as well. So it all depends on my mood, actually. So uh, I just love to act, man. <laughs> all right. So like, so like one of the first movies I seen you in was um, Friday After Next. Like, okay, yeah. You know, like, what lessons did you take from like being around comedic geniuses like Mike Epps, John uh, Weatherspoon? I forgot who else was in that, but, but yeah. Yeah. You got, you know, um, it's, uh, we had everybody in it. Um, I worked with, uh, Ice Cube and, and Mike Epps and, you know, I was so young. I just was excited to be on set, man. Uh, I just was, you know, it was, everything is moving fast. Like, you know, it's when it's the equivalent when people play sports and as you, you hear people say it all the time, the game slows down. And at that moment, I just was happy to be on set. I don't know. Uh, much I learned as far as uh, from the individuals on set rather than just be, be excited to be on set. Um, what's like the craziest story you have from being on the set of Friday After Next? Oh man, no real crazy stories on that one. Um, but I will share one crazy story. Um, I was shooting a show for Fox called Standoff. No, not Standoff. It was a, a show called Injustice. And uh, we were shooting it uh, around the corner from the jungles. And um, I remember we were, you know, getting setting up for a shot. And all of a sudden we looked down the street and there was a PA, a production assistant, and he was having an altercation with a dude. Next thing you know, the dude pulls out a gun and starts shooting. And like the dude had to be six feet away from him shooting and somehow missed <laughs> like some, I mean, he let off at least six shots bah, 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 bah. and it was a terrible shot fortunate for the pa but it just was it was a bit strange because we all was looking like wait a minute is that a part of the show and it was like oh shit wait a minute that's not <laughs> and everybody just dispersed like it was it was just it was just a brief moment where everybody thought it was like is that a part of the show and then all of a sudden wow you know uh, individuals you know Fighting, you know, ducking and dodging for his life. Man, that whole thing sounds like it's straight out of a movie. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, that was, you know, the, the jungles in that particular area, especially at that time, was a, it was a lot rougher. That was about maybe 10 years ago. All right, so, like, in most of your movies, it has, like, an all-star cast that has, like, a certain level of greatness. Mm-hmm. But, but Denzel Washington, he's, like, in a category, like, all to himself. There's a goat. Yeah, what was it like working with him on the Equalizer? You know, it, it's... it's uh. It's one of those dreams that I I still I still feel like I haven't really um taken in. Like uh you know, I often forget that I've done a film with Denzel Washington and just the magnitude of that. I know so many, you know, amazing actors and have been in this business for a long time and have wasn't fortunate enough to work with Denzel yet and it's an incredible honor. Um it was a dream come true. It was one of those things that you dream the dream and then all of a sudden he's staring in your face and it's like, wait a minute. And still now I'm still like, wait a minute. I did, I did do a movie with this. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and how was he like offset to you? Man, one of the coolest people ever. Um, just a grounded individual. Um, as you, he is who he is, as you see, he is um, in the interviews. Um, very prolific, always has a, uh, uh, a great understanding of his surroundings and being present. Um, a person about of detail and focus. I, I learned a lot just watching and just observing him work uh, and how he carried himself and just the, just the manner of how he built his career. Uh, it was literally moments where he was walking and I would literally mimic and walk in his footsteps. Like I'm there, like I, I want to follow in your footsteps and, yeah, he probably thought, you know, anybody probably watching, he would, he, I hope he didn't notice, but I, like, like I literally was, you know, trying to absorb that energy. Like that's, you know, I want that type of long career. Um, did you take like anything from his artistry and kind of like apply it to your own um, bag of Of tricks? course, man. Anytime that I feel, um, you know, I need to uh, perform at a high level. I always ask the question, what would Denzel do? Like, um, you know, just his confidence, just the manner of how he approaches everything and in detail and the focus. Uh, that's kind of like my parameter of like, if I'm not in my right space, I'd be like, you know, what would, how would, how would Denzel, you know, approach this? And then that's how I find, kind of find my center. All right. So I'm kind of skipping along here, but, but recently you was on Project Power. Like, what was it yeah. like playing opposite um, Joseph Levitt? Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe was dope. Joe was dope. Joe was super cool. Um, I know he plays uh, a tough guy in, in, in Project Power, um, but he's such a um, honorable and, and, and great person, uh, generous. Um, and it was just another one of those things. I've watched his career and I've always been a fan of his. So to share the screen and, you know, have some moments in that and that dope project that that did great numbers on netflix um was incredible did you work with um jamie fox while he was on the show no unfortunately i I, none of my scenes were with jamie but did you see him on set or anything no 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 it was like i said none of my scenes were with him so i didn't get a a chance to to chop it up with him but um you know we have mutual friends and um he's, he's he's definitely we we definitely fans of each other you know, I've seen Jamie play at the NBA All Star um, at the All Star Celebrity Game a few times. Mm-hmm. And um, like, in your opinion, who's like the best actor hooper 
that you played against or that you the best actor Hooper that I played against? Yeah. Oh man. Um I'm trying to think. I you know, I played in a couple uh celebrity games. I'm trying to see who 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 really be out there hooping, man. Um you know, first come to mind is that everybody knows, you know, Chris Chris Brown can play. I've I've definitely uh he definitely go hard. J. Cole go hard. Uh and they're more, you know, musicians, but I'm trying to think of actors. Um uh, man, I don't know. Like I don't know who could really I know I shout out to my, my brother Chris Brew. Uh he was on the show with me. He gets busy. Like he he was a, a top prospect in high school. He's, he's got video game members, man. So it's a, it's a couple cats like that that kind of sneak in on, on the acting side that was like almost pro that that could definitely go hard on the court. You know what I'm saying? All right. So Jamie, like he has a pretty underrated sneaker game too, like which kind of brings us to like sneakerheads on Netflix. Yeah. Like, how would you describe your experience working on that show? Uh, it was dope, man. Um, learning about the sneaker culture, I'll be the first one to say that um, I'm not a sneaker head. I can appreciate a good sneaker, meaning that, you know, I got a, I got about a good 60 pair of shoes. But I, when I when I tell you the respect that I have for sneaker heads, the guys that know the names of each shoe, know when they about to drop, that, you know, they got their exclusives, they got their grails. Um, you know, I, I, I won't say I'm at that level, but I can appreciate a, a good shoe. And, uh, you know, I got a couple of, couple of joints that I, you know, that I, I love to bust out when I need to. I'm glad you said that because there's a whole lot of people that's always talking about sneaker culture and like, they just don't understand. Yeah. No, nah, I be messing with my partner. He be like, he only, he only got a, uh, he only wear Jordans and they try to claim me a sneaker head. I'm like, man, you ain't no chicken head. If you want. That's the only shoe you got. You got to know, you got to have other variety of shoes. Like you got to know the coat. You just can't stay in one brand and think that you, that, that you're official. I get on them all the time. And it's like the same ones. I'm like, yo, you can't just have, you know, two shoes and consider yourself a sneakerhead. Oh, I don't know. You gotta have all of them. Yeah, like that's that's Saturday. that was the that was my main thing. I'm like, stop it, chill, chill. <laughs> Every Saturday, waiting in line, something. Yeah, like I'm like, you ain't built like that, man. You like shoes, yeah. but you ain't no sneaker. <laughs> you like Jordans, right? All right, so like, how did like Netflix kind of approach you about the project, and like, what kind of drew you into it? Well, um, actually, Complex is uh, were the were the were the company that produced the project, and then after we shot, you know, the season, Netflix acquired the show. So um, they were uh, brought in after, once we finished the whole project, um, but. Just the idea of being the first. Um, we were the first scripted series to, you know, talk about and be about the sneaker culture. And um, and that's what I want to do. I want to do it for the culture. Um, being that uh, I know how impactful just that industry is. It's an industry now. It was, you know, just a thing where people just wore shoes and, you know, got the a certain feeling or a uh, certain respect, but now it's a, it's a billion dollar business where people are becoming millionaires, just, you know, flipping shoes. You know, I was watching an episode with Mark Wahlberg today. Like, <laughs> like he has a sizable sneaker collection. Like I think his collection is like up there in terms of value. Like, yeah. Like, did he ever stun on you on set? Uh well no like a lot of the shoes that we got um we got from uh, 
Fight Club. Fight Club brought a lot of sneakers in um, that the sh- you saw in the show. Um, well, that makes sense, and so, yeah, uh, so it really wasn't too much stunting from people's personal collection, but um, definitely Fight Club came through with some with some heat, and we all was kind of drooling at it. And then even when we shot in Fight Club, you just um, – the one wall that we were standing uh, by, uh, I think the guy told me it was worth like a million dollars. Just that one wall, just the shoes that are on that wall. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and I think the Air Mags was um, on that wall. Probably. About. Yeah. yeah, probably. Like, it just, it just, you know, it's fascinating to just know that shoes have risen to that uh, amount of money. So, like, on the show, like, like your character was kind of like a sneakerhead that was kind of like had one foot in the game and one foot out the game. Yeah, and me personally, like I kind of find myself in that position where, um, where like the responsibilities of life kind of like overshadows, like sneakers. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you feel like no matter how old you get, like, like sneaker culture is always a part of, um, like, is always a part of you? Well, again, like I said, I can appreciate a good shoe. Like, it, it, I'm not absorbed in the sneaker culture in that in that type of way now. Um, it's similar, you know, everybody has their thing that they enjoy. Like personally, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big NBA fan, basketball fan. So I like to watch all the, you know, highlights. I can't really watch a lot of the games because of my schedule, but, um, you know, staying up on, on what is happening, the business side of basketball, like these are the things that I, you know, I obsess over. So, um, I can see, how becoming an you know again managing my schedule and managing all the things that I do and still trying to follow as intentful as I, I used to um isn't really the same but you know hey I gotta pay I gotta pay some bills. <laughs> Which team do you rock with now? Oh man I'm like I'm a diehard Lego fan man I've been a Lego fan since birth so um I'm glad LeBron you know brought us back to the promised land but it was a lot of dark years before then. <laughs> Do you see them kind of like repeating this year or like kind of going out in a blaze of glory in the final? Well, no, no. I think I think that I think they'll repeat uh, now the Brooklyn Nets. It all depends on what they do draft time uh, before the draft deadline. Same thing with uh, the Lakers. I think they need they they need to make another move. Uh, so it's a lot of chess pieces that are on, still on the board for a lot of teams. Um, that are like right on the edge. The Clippers are, you know, are still good, but they still have to prove themselves in the playoffs. Um, the Sixers are looking really, really good, but come playoff time, they're gonna be able to, you know, double down on Embiid. And what are they gonna? What has Ben Simmons gonna do? Uh, he hasn't gotten better with his jump shot. Like I could talk about this all day. Like I could, like, like, I could talk about this all day, man. It's just, it's gonna be uh, the most complete team at this moment are are, are the Lakers. But um, it's the trade down line may may you know uh, change that. You know, I'm still not over the Clippers and what they did in the bubble. Like that, yeah, that yeah, that's a mental um, breakdown. Mental breakdown. That just brings like a good feeling to my heart for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man. You know, definitely being a Laker fan, uh, I'm not a fan of the Clippers, and uh, especially how Kawhi tried to come in and say he was the king and. And all of that, so uh, it was it was disappointing. I wanted to see the head up. I wanted to see the matchup. I still believe that um, 
you know, LeBron with a squad. I'll never be, I'll never bet against LeBron with a squad. Um, like they, you literally have to have three Hall of Famers to compete and challenge him. Uh, he's just that good. Unless you're JJ Barea or Jason Terry. Then all Listen, that like that, and I and I and I'll say this: like, don't sleep on Dirk. Like Dirk, Dirk is a problem. Jason Kidd is a Hall of Famer. Dirk is a Hall of Famer. Tyson Chandler might even make it to the Hall of Fame just because his numbers were incredible. So, and you got to understand who that team beat. That team beat the Lakers that won the championship the year before with Kobe and Carpet Bagasol. Then that same team beat KD and all of all of those MVPs. Like people act like Dallas wasn't a squad. Like they had a squad. They they had a well-rounded, they had a complete team where the Heat, it was just top heavy. They were top heavy. They didn't have a bench. They didn't have like they Mario Chalmers was a rookie. Like it was like it was, and they were still figuring it out. Um, but that's his one. Like, you know, hey, that's that's his one. But don't sleep on dirt. Like dirt is a problem. You know, you just mentioned KD. Like he's in Brooklyn now with um with with Kyrie and Harden. Yeah. Like, I want to see them play the Lakers in the finals, but that Harden man, I don't trust them. You don't trust? I mean, I, I you don't you don't need to now. You don't need to. He has two other two other uh proven um playoff players with him. Um, you know. Once they figure out, once they figure out, because like I said, once the trade deadline's coming, if they get a trade for like a JaVale McGee or some type of big man that can defend, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a real problem. Okay, so say, for example, they get to the conference finals and knock on wood, KD gets hurt again or Kyrie gets hurt. You're going to trust James Harden to carry them? Oh, but then it's a different. It's a whole different scenario. Like, I mean, that's the same thing as if any star player gets hurt, you you change the whole uh, dynamic of the team. Now, even with now, if you say James Harden got hurt and you still got Kyrie and 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 Durant out there, or even if you just got Harden and Durant out there, but if you lose one of those components, you definitely that's a major piece to the puzzle. That that's like saying if if LeBron lost ad like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a challenge for him to get out the western conference like that the clippers are no joke and denver's not no joke Jokic is a problem like <laughs> like Jokic is a problem you know like i don't wish injury on nobody but um but say if ad did get hurt i think lebron could still beat the clippers by himself you know, it, it's 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 with that squad, it'd be a, it'd be a tougher matchup than what it what it needs to be. Um, it'd be a tougher matchup. Like, is in seven. It'd be it'd be it'd be. I think it'd be again. I was I'll definitely say the same. Like again, it, it needs P, teams are so stacked, man. You said what? In playoff P, I don't trust him either. Yeah, no. Nah, again, he got to prove himself, man. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have it. I think there's gonna be. They're gonna meet in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think we're gonna get the matchup that we've been we've been hoping for, and I, and and if AD is available, and if they don't make any other, if as the team is as the team stands right now, I see him beat them in six. Um, but I honestly think that the Lakers need to make a move for Bradley Beal. Like they have to get they have to get Bradley Beal. Like yeah, have bro, to let's go so depressed. Yeah, we got we got to get Beal, man. Just because I I'm telling you, 
that Brooklyn team, once they figured out, they get it, they get a uh, a rim protector. It's a problem. It's really a problem. You know, Bradley Bill or Zach Levine, I think would be. Zach Levine would be nice. Zach Levine would be nice. That's another pickup that would be good, and that wouldn't wouldn't gut all of our young talent. But um, uh, Bradley Bill would, would officially make us a big three, and he'll just he'll fit. Zach or Bradley Bill will fit in right in right in pocket with um, LeBron and AD. They'll be in their natural positions. And what do you think about the Mavericks? Because I think they can use Bradley Bill too, because they can't. The Mavericks is yeah. Luca is is special. Um, Luca is special. Uh, Porzingis has got to stay healthy, um, and they're still they're still a problem with just Porzingis and Luca. Um, they 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 proven that they will give Clipper the Clippers a problem, um, and it could easily be Dallas and the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals um, if Porzingis comes back and he's playing at an All Star level. You really think number six is an um, all star in my book? No, I can't. Who Porzingis? Yeah. Oh, uh, when he when he when he's healthy, that boy can that boy the Porzingis is a problem. When he's healthy, like when he's they would have they would have beat the Clippers last playoffs if he would have stayed healthy. But it's the Clippers though. Like anybody good would have. Um... The Clippers are good, man. Like I'm not. I like. I like I'm not going to disrespect them like that. Like the Clippers are good. I actually know Paul George. Like they, 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 the Clippers, like like the Clippers are good, man. The Clippers are good. Um. It, it just they 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 have to figure it. I and mean, then their their benches they're not as deep as they were last year. So um, that's gonna be that's gonna come. But Ibaka surges surges a, a great pickup for them. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. The, the, it's gonna be a tough road to the finals. Um, and that's why I feel like they need to make it one more one more move, and that'll solidify where I'm like, okay, for sure we're going to the finals. And winning and winning because you meet KD and they got some rim protection. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be trouble. But I said mean, uh, Philly's Philly's playing well. Um, I'm just again just as much as the Clippers have to prove themselves. Doc Rivers has to prove himself. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, I, and I'm, it may not be um unpopular opinion, and uh, and he he didn't do he did he did the same uh. He did the same. He did just as well as Vinny Del Negro with that uh, Clippers team. Then did like I it, like it, he didn't. He didn't. If he didn't, I don't know. Like if he doesn't have three Hall of Famers on the Celtics, does he have a championship? I um, mean, like the 08 Celtics, they're still talking about that championship. That's like the most drawn out championship in history. Yeah, you know. Um, so uh, I, I, I think I think he's a great coach and a great motivator, but. Um, championship uh he has to he has to prove that he has to prove he has to really prove that just because again like yeah you you had you guys really established the first big three and you know y'all 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 still had a time with kobe and pal gasol mm-hmm. <laughs> like kobe and pal gasol now that's you know that squad was a problem too pat bynum was a problem like it odom was a problem so like that was a good team that they beat um but you know Bynum was out the league in, in, in two or three more years. You know, uh Odom wasn't, you know, as motivated as most uh as motivated as, you know, as a as a Hall of Famer that he could have been, you know. Um, so it wasn't the same type of players that, you know, Kobe definitely elevated those guys where the big three were the big three in regardless of each other's um energy. 
And Bynum is a dude that just disappeared. I don't even know what he's doing now. I'll say this. I, I, if, if Bynum uh, would have stayed in the league and would have been focused, the decline of the big man wouldn't have happened so drastic. Like, he was he was the next guy up. Like, he was he was really good. Like, he was really coming into form uh, during those championship years. And if he would have stayed dominant – it would have, the league would have wouldn't have transitioned into this small ball as quickly, in my opinion. I kind of like small ball because it's more skilled to me, especially on the big men side. You have Jokic, like he plays like a guard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's more skilled. I just, I still love the idea of uh, putting your back against the basket and being able to show your skills on a post too. Like, um, you know, all the threes are are great. Um, but I just love the idea of being able to play a, a true offense and not a lot of the one-on-one. Like a lot of the three ball has allowed a lot of one-on-one to come into play. And that's not really, you know, playing basketball. Like, you know, the design of the try, like, you know, Kobe would always say like, these guys are not playing real, not say real basketball, but not smart basketball. Like they're just in the triangle. Everything is a system. Like you're running a system and that it's not, a, it's not plays. Um, so everybody that's, no matter how you move are in a position to score, a position to pass, a position to make a play where, you know, traditional offenses, you have to run sets. And then a lot of times due to the defense to get a lot of one-on-one last second shots and people are out of position where, you know, and you play the triangle, you're always in position. Um, so it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, you know, apples and oranges. Your mic went out again, G. Can you hear me now? Yeah, 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 there you go. All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I was saying for the most part, the three kind of killed the mid-range too. Yeah, like, and I and I and I appreciate the mid-range. And you know, all the analytics, you know, they want threes are uh, a layup. Um, but at crunch time, you want the ball in the hand of a person that can make a mid-range shot. So that just that just it says it says a lot right there. When the game is on the line, you want somebody that can actually hit that mid-range just because you can't dictate or funnel him in the position where uh, you want, where the, the floor is his his canvas and he can make whatever he want at that point. You know, I can't stand the analytics. I mean, it's good in a sense, but for the most part, I mean, that shit is trash, man. Uh, it, it's, it's, again, you can't, you can't, uh, too much of anything to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like you got, it's got to be balanced. Um, analytics is great for, especially for an individual player to know what he needs to get better at and understand just uh, his impact, his PER and all that stuff. But um, as far as it being the all, the all, all, the know all, uh, I don't, I don't believe in that. I think it's, it's great for an individual to know where he needs to be stronger at but as far as the game in, in itself like you know it's got to be played between the lines right and it's basically turned the hoop into like one big math problem i mean that's it, it is it, it is it is that thing um you know three is more than two so that's why people are getting up more threes uh then you and scores are ballooned crazy you know um everybody's scoring 130 now like <laughs> like everybody's scoring 130 right. like they sped the game up. You know, there's a lot, you know, the rules in the game is, have changed dramatically um, over the course of the year from the 90s to the 2000s to the 2010s to 2020 now, where 
it's all about the game being sped up and, you know, allowing uh, a faster pace. Um, do you play NBA 2K? No, no, no. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I, I I stopped playing games a long time ago. <laughs> nah, I, nah, I just played 2K just to um, give people work and go about my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I used to be heavy in it. Like, I, even when I, I could pick it up and, you know, I'll, I'll play um, and, you know, I'll be decent even though I don't know how to actually play. I just know how to play the game of basketball. So, that's my advantage is that I know how to actually – and I know the players. I know their strengths. I know we like, I know where this person is good in mid-range. This person is good in the post. This person is good at threes. Like, I just know the players. So, um, but people that know how to do all the moves and all the stuff, yeah, they got me. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for coming on today. I really enjoyed this combo. Like, are you No working? problem, man. I appreciate it too, man. Anytime we talk basketball, shoes, and, and acting, this is a great conversation. Are you working on any new projects? Yeah, yeah, I'm currently um, uh, filming a show now in Atlanta called Heels. It's uh, starring myself and Stephen Mill. Um, uh, it's about uh, the indie wrestling league. I play a pro wrestler named uh, Rooster. So uh, I put on 20, tw- maybe 22 pounds of muscle for this uh, particular role. So I'm excited for people to see it. It's going to be dope. Man, if you're out in Atlanta, you have to go see my people at Kiss Ultra Line, man. It's ultra. I mean, listen. I, I wish I could, man. They got us on a call. Show you a good time. So we can't. We can't really go, go anywhere outside like that. Like we can go pick up food and this essential stuff, but yeah, I can't even. I can't even hang out. That's the cold part. Like being in Atlanta, and Atlanta's wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wide open, but you know, again, you got to be responsible for not just myself, but the cast and the production. And you know, these these COVID cases, you know, are very costly. The time um, and money. Hey man, there's there's nothing wrong with going to Magic City like Lou Will. You know, get them, you know, the lemon lemon pepper wings, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely wrong with that, man. I've I've definitely ordered some lemon pepper wings. I haven't been, but I definitely ordered some. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Thank you for your time, man. No problem, man. Y'all be good, man. All right, take care. Have a good one.